0: Hello, and welcome to the first ever podcast episode of Rat Talk, hosted by your favorite rat, Marlo Lind. You may not know me, so here's a bit about me. I'm 17 years old, I live in Maryland, and I'm a rising senior in high school. Also, I have a really short attention span, so I promise that these podcasts won't exceed 15 to 20 minutes. If you guys are confused about the name of the podcast which i'm sure a bunch of you are there are two main reasons i just decided to go with it first of all all my friends either call me rat queen or queen of the rats or just rat so since i'm hosting the show i thought i might as well make the title personal by including a inside joke um second of all i wanted to make an acronym out of the word rat so in the context of this podcast rat talk or rat talk for short stands for really awesome teenagers talk um i sincerely apologize for my lack of creativity with the name but i swear it was the best i could do uh, Now, I know you guys may be wondering, like, what the heck is Rat Talk? And to be honest, I don't actually 100% know the answer to that question. <laughs> My whole idea behind this podcast was to create a platform where educated teenagers could discuss their beliefs relating to different prevalent societal issues in order to raise awareness and promote further academic discussion. However, I've never hosted a podcast or a talk show, unfortunately, so I'm definitely considered an amateur at this, but I really wanted to make a difference in terms of educating others about what the heck is going on in the world. The format of this particular podcast is as follows. First, I will talk about key terms relating to an issue of choice. This will be from an objective standpoint, meaning that I will not be giving my opinion. I will just be telling you guys like what I found from the research that I conducted. And then I will interview a fellow teenager who will state their views in response to the interview questions I give them. That will probably be subjective, I would guess. Um, I have no idea if this layout will change for future podcasts, so I'll always state the format before diving into an issue. The participants can choose to be either anonymous or not, so I will be using a fake name or the real name depending on each situation. The issue that I will be talking about this week, however, is the Black Lives Matter movement. This topic is actually the reason why I was inspired to do a podcast at all. I got into a lot of online disputes with other teenagers about the movement, but after hours of fighting and utter chaos, I decided that I wanted to talk with people, specifically teenagers, in a more effective way, thus enter the podcast idea. Looking back on the online arguments I had, I recognized that the main source of tension was derived from a general lack of understanding of terms relating to the movement, such as ACAB and the difference between defunding, disbanding, and abolishing the police. So from an objective standpoint, I thought it would be a good idea to try to explain the meaning of each of these key terms. I can link the articles that I use for my research um, in the podcast somehow, so you guys can take a look at them for yourselves, but I'm a really, really, really awful with technology, so I apologize if I can't. Anyway, so the first term that I'm going to be discussing is ACAB, which is very prominent um, in this movement. It's a very, like, commonly used phrase um, associated with the Black Lives Matter movement, and it stands for all cops are bastards. It actually has its origins in 20th century England, where workers would use this phrase to strike, but it's gained its modern day meaning uh, during the 1970s. ADL, aka Anti-Defamation League, denotes this phrase as hate speech, but makes a point to clarify that it depends on the context of its usage. It's actually been used by racist and non-racist groups alike, which I thought was really interesting. However, in the context of the BLM movement, it is used to express the disapproval of the police force system, which has been proven to repeatedly oppress minorities. The common misconception is that the phrase attacks the individual police officers, but really its intent is to attack the system their work is founded on. The three other concepts I felt were commonly misunderstood when I was arguing with other teenagers were defunding, disbanding, and abolishing the police. Defunding the police is the idea that the police wouldn't be eliminated, rather the funds that go to the police force would be decreased and instead redistributed to other outlets, such as like community crisis response, um, efforts to decrease gang and domestic violence in communities, mental health outlines, etc. Disbanding the police, however, has been compared to a more intense version of defunding the police, where the com- where the police department like completely shuts down, they change all of their protocols and strategies, and they reopen as a brand new police force. Lastly, abolishing the police means to get rid of the police force entirely and replace it with a completely different system usually one that is specific to the community. Some of the advocates of this proposal believe that the fund should be given to the community so it can quote unquote police itself. Everyone is completely entitled to their own opinion regarding the best way to address law enforcement reform, but I strongly encourage viewing sources outside of social media because some of them can be extremely misleading. Um, and there are obviously a bunch of other terms that are very significant to the movement that I'll actually be diving deeper into with my interviewee, but I, um, I wanted to address these first four terms, um, alone first, because I thought that they were commonly confused, and I definitely, like, needed to research them further in order to understand them, so I thought it was important. Anyway, on to the interview questions! all right welcome to the second half of this podcast where i interview ella hello ella how are you doing
1: i'm good how are you doing
0: excellent all right so we're i'm gonna ask a series of six questions um the first question is what does a mean to you
1: um well a has a long history it's um it's been used for it's hard to um kind of document how long the phrase has been used but recently it's become a lot more popular because it's um finally being published in the media and it has more of like a like a centralized role in social activism but Mm -hmm. the phrase came from um um working class communities who are being targeted by the police and put in jail for um doing things like workers' riots where Mm -hmm. they were trying to advocate for workers' rights and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so then that's how the phrase kind of became a little bit more mainstream and it was commonly used among prisoners. Um, It's widely documented that the phrase has been written in um, like prisons and stuff like that. But nowadays, since um, communities of color are largely impacted by police and police brutality, um, the phrase has been used to... um, Call out the police for um, acts of violence and using their power to um, unfairly target a certain community of people. And so the phrase means all cops are bastards. Um, Sometimes people think that it means all cops are bad, but that kind of leaves room for um, kind of a wrong interpretation of the phrase. Mm -hmm. So, bastard meaning corrupt, and so that means that cops, they're corrupt in the sense that they're not working on behalf of the community, nor the greater good, they're working on behalf of um, a certain elite class, and yeah. they don't care about the um, the concerns and the well-being of the general public.
0: Yeah, for sure. In the first part of the interview, I know you didn't hear, but it it's basically like, I feel like they're targeting more the system than like the individual police Mm -hmm. officers so yeah i thought that yeah that was awesome thank you um so second question in regards to addressing law enforcement the three popular types of strategies especially amongst our generation are defunding disbanding and abolishing the police force explain what choice you think is best to address police (coughs) brutality or if you don't agree with any of these three proposals suggest another course of action that could be taken to combat this problem
1: um, so, defunding the police, that refers to, <coughs> rather than um, reform, which has been um, pushed by moderate Democrats mostly, and that aims to um, train the police and have them have um, training that doesn't require them to use violence and, mm-hmm. you know, types of, um, what's the word? Um, taking steps to um de-escalate a situation that doesn't involve using violence but a lot of people say that reform doesn't work Mm -hmm. and so defunding the police that would um cause the budget that's like allotted to the police to go to community action Mm -hmm. um so that would be to help people um who are Struggling to get out of gang violence, mm-hmm. um, people with mental health, substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. Um, to really target the issues that are causing these people to, um, you know, maybe become targeted by the police in the first place. Yeah. Um, and. Um, in Chicago, it's um, cited a lot as being a example where the police have such a large budget that is not like, at all comparable to the amount of money that's put into the community. Yeah. So about $1.7 billion are spent yearly on the police in Chicago. Um. So that um, carries out to being about $4 million a day. Jeez. And that's not even close to the amount of money. I mean, that's very much more than the amount of money that's being put into the right. community. And so um, clearly the police are, you know, being... Um considered to have a higher priority over the community and the people who they are claiming to help.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you you would say that defunding the police is like a, a good idea mm-hmm. to help combat this problem. I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, third question. There were four cops involved in the murder of Ger- George Floyd. Derek Chauvin, the officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck, is being charged with second degree murder, and the three other officers are being charged with aiding in the murder. All four individuals lost their jobs. If you were in charge of the sentences of these four people, what would you charge them with and why? I
1: would agree with the second-degree murder sentence um, because the first first-degree murder it's pretty hard to charge. Um, you need a certain amount of evidence to charge it mm-hmm. and then you need to be able to prove it in a court of law in order to get that person sentenced. Right. Um, first-degree murder um, mm-hmm. requires somebody to actually have premeditated premeditated exactly that's a criteria and that's kind of the main criteria to you know charge somebody with first degree murder and it's that's pretty hard to prove and especially in this case yeah um if uh the killers were to get any jail time at all um second degree murder would be the best option in my opinion
0: yeah all right cool so fourth question there's a concern of coronavirus spreading as a result of people attending protests do you think this fear should be overlooked as a result of the health precautions people are taking at the protests like wearing masks and such or do you think that there is a significant health risk that comes with attending these events
1: um i would say that um these events definitely pose an issue with the virus but it is, I've definitely seen some people advocating for this on social media, people um, are saying that it's a good idea to take maybe two weeks before attending another protest. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be a really good strategy. I think that um, as things begin to open up, it's definitely, you can see um, the rising cases in areas where, um, you know, people can go shopping and people can hang out in larger groups. And so- the right the um the protests they're not really um as you know they're not really contributing to that issue as much as those issues are and so they shouldn't really be focused on and like demonized
0: by the media in that sense okay yeah Um, so fifth question, looting seems to be a major area of concern for some people. Some say that the looting is justified due to the pent up anger from the black community. And others say that it's counterproductive, especially when protesters are looting uh, black owned businesses. What is your opinion on the matter? And do you think looting is justified during this movement?
1: I would say that looting when it 's an emotional response is justified as you know a white person i don't i can 't really give my opinion because mm-hmm. it's less of an emotional issue for me because I am personally not affected right. by the police in the same sense um, mm-hmm. so I think it's hard to really say personally if that's justified I think Mm -hmm. that if you're not a person of color then you know looting it makes it makes the whole Black Lives uh, Matter movement look you know worse and they shouldn't really be adding
0: to that right Um, especially when you're like when people are like um, looting like high end stores for their own personal gain exactly yeah Um, but also
1: looting you know that's really been demonized by the media Um, they're kind of focusing on that as being a larger issue and they're not focusing on the issues at hand that are actually causing people to go out and loot and have this emotional response. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's throughout history, it's just um, these people's, their feelings have just been building up to this point. Yeah. And this is just really just a breaking point for a lot of people. Um, for sure. Just the police, they've always been um, part of... Like a system that is intended to um, advocate for the elite and for white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it was built on when the police were, um, like the modern police force, they were first um, created in, I believe, London or urban areas of England. Yeah. Um, So that was as a response to worker riots. And so they Mm -hmm. were very much working on behalf of the elites and, you know, the industrialists rather than the you know the common good Mm -hmm. and so the police even then the the um, interests of the community that's not that's not what their goal was it was um, rather than creating peace it was to um, have a threat of violence that kind of scared people into not acting out and not speaking out about these issues and then similarly, in the US, the North and the South, obviously, um, before the Civil War, they developed very differently. The North was much more industrialized, and that mm-hmm. was the base of their economy. And so you can compare the North much more to England in that regard. So um, the police kind of were created as a force to put down workers' riots and to work for the elite in that sense, and then in, and in the South, um, the economy was, it had a lot to do with slavery, obviously. Um, right. So slave catchers, a lot of people became slave catchers to avoid going into the military. Mm-hmm. Um, they could literally just go into somebody's house without a warrant, without anything, and just um, with the threat of violence if they like suspected that they were harboring a slave or something like that. And so it was very much just power concentrated into the hands of A few certain people who had access to weapons and power and who were working on behalf of the elites. So, um, similarly, the North and the South developed in that sense where um, the police and the people who, you know, the slave catchers and the police kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They were both working on behalf of the elites and rather than um, the common good. And so, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's hard to defend, um, you know, a system like the police system that has literally just you know it's literally just the remnants of a society that was just aimed to protect white supremacy and um the elites and the industrialists in Mm. my opinion yeah
0: awesome um so sixth question what do phrases like all lives matter and blue lives matter mean to you um well,
1: I think that those phrases are really created as a response to, you know, obviously Black, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and those are people trying to um, make the movement, I guess, about them rather right. than um, what the actual issue is. Um, Black Lives Matter, it refers to the ways in which the system um, it favors um, white people over black people and Mm -hmm. just um, you know the wealthy over the poor and all of that just it's it's um the current system that we're in favors a certain like small um small percentage of the population and so these phrases they do not take into account the statistics that support the fact that black people are unfairly targeted and um they are they suffer in the hands of the system um for example you know um felony disenfranchisement black people are four times uh, um, more likely than white people to be disenfranchised Mm -hmm. and so you know that goes back to the times in like the 1800s where somebody could just arrest a black person for you know no reason send them to jail and then their voting rights would be taken away yeah and that was you know um a method that was used to continue to treat black people as like a second class citizen mm-hmm. um even after slavery ended right um and then black people they were sent to jail at a disproportional rate and um people would look at those statistics in the 1800s in the late 1800s and they would instead of looking at them and saying oh black people are you know being disproportionately sent to jail they saw that as being oh black people they commit crimes at a, you know...
0: Higher rate
1: At a higher rate, exactly, right. which wasn't true, because, you know, they were just being sent, you know, sent to jail, arrested, tried in front of a mostly, probably all-white jury. Right. Um, and then that's where the um, tradition of um, over-policing uh, black communities started. Mm-hmm. So that just started from that, like, stereotype that was not based on any statistics. And so um, the basically the phrases blue lives matter and all white all lives matter those aren't based on anything those are just those are from an emotional response um Mm -hmm. and they distract from the current issues at hand um and black lives matter it's not to um say that you know black lives are the only ones that matter it's it's to um advocate for those who the system has historically disadvantaged over others right
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, so I thought that Ella did a really, really great job with the interview questions today. I thought that all of her responses were incredibly articulate and insightful, and I'm just super thrilled with the amount of feedback that she gave me. So thank you so much again, Ella, for participating in today's podcast episode. Um, I decided to re-listen to the interview portion of the podcast, and I realized that Ella made it a point to emphasize law enforcement's favoritism of certain social classes and racial groups over other social classes and racial groups, and I feel like that point is extremely vital towards understanding the motives behind the Black Lives Matter movement, which is basically intended to promote... um, to incite change and promote racial equality and social justice for all people in society so i'm very glad that she brought that into light so thank you again ella um this basically concludes the first ever podcast episode of rat talk so thank you guys so much for listening in today Next week, I'm hoping to talk about the Yemen crisis, which is the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, and it's surprisingly not receiving that much mainstream media coverage. I actually had to find out about it through social media, and I had no pre-existing knowledge about it. So I feel like next week's episode will be incredibly informational and educational for a lot of people, so make sure you check that one out. Alright, peace out, you guys.